Welcome to the PowerShell News Podcast. I'm your host, Hajit Dalawal. And I'm the co-host, Mick Pletcher. Hey, Mick. Hey, Harshit. How's everything going? It's awesome. Things are good. Things are good. <laughs> yep, I totally agree. I'm, uh, it's been a, a really exciting time since the uh, Microsoft Ignite and all the stuff going on in PowerShell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we haven't um, we haven't um, caught up since then. So this is a uh, our next show. And those those that haven't heard our show that we did at Microsoft Ignite, we have that posted. So please check it out. And uh, we did we did an interview and and things like that, right? Yep. Here just recently, I've been working on a whole bunch of uh, new PowerShell scripts and uh, trying to get them out and. You know, especially at the end of the year here, you know, how, how rushed you get. So yeah. kind of, you know, I've recently I learned um, SQL, which I probably should have learned that a long time ago. Yeah. But um, I'm starting to now write some uh, PowerShell code for uh, SQL. Like I published one here just recently that uh, uses PowerShell to uh, verify your SQL backups are valid. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. I, saw that. I saw that post, yeah. Yeah, That's because... Awesome. We had a um, we had an issue here just recently that uh, we were doing we, we knew our backups were happening every night, but we didn't know that the backups for one of our SQL databases were invalid. I see. And we lost uh, the database. Thankfully, it was nothing critical, and we were able to rebuild it. But then it started uh, started the wheels turning in my head that you know how can we make sure that these uh, backups are valid and and I think um, you know one of the things we did was obviously um, we have uh, checksums uh, running in it but then we had it um, I found a way in SQL that it can go back and do a restore but only a verify only and that's um, that right there can it has a specific return code that it sends back and PowerShell just goes in executes that and then if it gets that um, return code bam, it, it validates it. If it doesn't, it sends out an automatic email to us saying, hey, your uh, backups are corrupt. You better check it out. Oh, wow. That is very handy. Yeah. Great. yeah. So, hey, you, you, you know how uh, valuable PowerShell is? It can uh, keep track of all this stuff that you never think of. I know. I know. The, the power of it is just incredible. So we have a lot to share. We got some newsworthy stuff when we got some some tools that we want to mention and things like that, right? And, yep. and they're all PowerShell related. So we'll just, you know, go through it real quick. And so the first one I think is about Windows Server, also known as uh, 20H1, which is coming out in the first half of 2020. It's going to get smaller containers and faster PowerShell. Yes, and in the article, and this was in uh, Redmond Magazine, they yeah. were um, talking uh, to uh, Joey Aiello, apparently, and they said that the PowerShell speed improvement will show up for organizations using the Windows containers on the uh, Windows Server 20H1, yes. and they should use the uh, .NET framework-based images. And um, Joey Aiello said, and they quoted him directly here, that uh, if you depend on Windows Server uh, container images for usage of Windows PowerShell and you value performance, you should switch from the Windows uh, slash server core images to .NET slash framework slash runtime images. Yeah. The, latter, the latter are specifically or optimized for .NET framework workloads like Windows PowerShell. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, that's, that's good info. 
So that sounds uh, really exciting for those organizations uh, moving to this new server. Right. And uh, there's a bunch of stuff here again in that article. Uh, talks about PowerShell 7 and uh, and where you know there's 85% of the modules are compatible with you know uh, with with PowerShell Windows PowerShell and so on and so forth. So it's exciting, and we'll share the links out. Yeah, so, uh, that was one of my projects here just recently. I just included PowerShell 7 in our standard build. Ah, yes, yes. Um, and then we have a article from Tech Republic that talks about five changes that are coming to PowerShell 7, 7.0. And, and you know, we, we talked about um, those in a previous episode, but um, it did mention a couple of things, uh, especially the long-term support. And I thought that was pretty interesting on this. Uh, you know, that Microsoft typically uh, supports applications for, you know, a certain period of time and then moves on to the newer version. But apparently that uh, they are preparing for uh, long-term support on, um, I'm assuming, PowerShell 7. Yeah. And that's, that's going to be big. Right, right. So that's, uh, they're talking about .NET Core 3, um, Windows compatibility, uh, long-term support like you just mentioned. Secure credential management, uh, which is which is uh, handy and important, yes. and then centralized logging as well. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I really like that. Now I haven't looked much into the centralized logging, but that is, I think, going to be another big one. And um, and I and I, and I'm really looking forward to that that part. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're running scripts and things like that, and yeah, if you can have a centralized location and stuff like that for your logs that absolutely because you you know what the way i got around so so sometimes uh we you know you just can't always report your information back to sec even though you can extend the schema out and you know add new uh hardware in, uh, inventories and such sometimes the data just is either just too big you know for SCCM to grab it and what i've always done is is used a uh try catch that encapsulates a do while statement okay um, when you're writing to a centralized uh, uh, log file out on the uh, network share and you know where basically you deploy it out to all of these machines and they're all trying to write to this file and most of them are going to get an error saying you know that it can't access the file so that that's the whole idea of the try catch the do right. while encapsulating the try catch until it gets its chance to write to that file and append to it you know, it's going to keep trying over and over and over. But I think this is going to be even better, this centralized logging that will be able to mitigate that issue. Okay, okay. Yeah. If sense. I understand this correctly from the way they said in the article. I think that's how I understand it, too. I think mm -hmm. you're right on with that. So another thing is that you got some good news from a user voice that you put in about last year, August. No, was it? No, yeah, earlier it was, this year. Earlier this year, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And um, so you got notified that they are going to be adding your uh, requests, right? Into yes. A, you want so to talk it, about it? So what it is is uh, one in the so to give a little background, the firm I work at, we've been on MDT now for years, and we're mm -hmm. wanting to move over to SCCM for our imaging process. Well. Some of the things, such as, for instance, um, moving when you uh, specify a uh, certain office 
which slash OU that you want to system in, you know, runs a PowerShell script. Well, you want to pass the um, parameters, be able the to pass SQL variable to the PowerShell, right? Yes, and that yes. has not been possible. And that's what I had put in. Can they add uh, being able to pass task sequence variables using the PowerShell um, script. Uh, function? Yeah. In, uh, function yeah, or PowerShell task sequence in SCCM uh, into a parameter. Right. And, and so they go back to you and they, they said, yep, that's, it's going to be in, is it, is it already released in the technical preview? That's a good question. Uh, I just saw it last night when they updated it, but it looks like it's going to be 1912 technical preview that it may be in. It's already released. It came mm-hmm. out last yesterday. Yeah. So that's probably why he uh, contacted you. <laughs> yes. So, so I'm really cool. excited because, you know, before what I had to do is I had to use the Microsoft.sms.ts environment. And um, when you because here's where the problem came. When you use different credentials, you didn't have access. Uh, you know, the you're using the system credentials when you're imaging. And so when I you had to use a domain admin account to like, for instance, add it to uh, or move OUs, then it didn't have access to that data. And that's okay. what this is going to fix. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Right. Yes, definitely. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, well done. <laughs> so, all right. So what else? So then we have, uh, we want to share a little tidbit about, let's say, some commandlets on uh, how to format uh, external hard drives or USB drives using PowerShell. And, you know, basically, you know, you can you can do this, obviously, through the GUI. That's no no-brainer right there. But if you do want to use PowerShell, there's a get-disk commandlet that you can do to leverage the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, want yep. Sure. Yep. So you can use the get-disk uh, to uh, you know get get the volumes and um, the uh, disk numbers and so on. Get the information of the current disk. Uh, yeah, it gives you the friendly name and the serial number and all that yes. fun stuff and the yeah and the the sequence, so, the number of your the uh, of your uh, the volumes, right? Exactly. Petitions. So you can so you can also use in this. You can use uh, it now has format volume. You have uh, you can create new partitions. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really big. And and you you might be wondering why we're covering this. And for instance, if you're an SCCM person and you've got a in your organization a special uh, configuration that. Uh, you know, is non-standard in how you all format and partition, especially partitioning your drives, this could really come in handy. Right. So, for example, like if you did the get-disk commandlet, it'll throw back some information. And let's, for example, say your external drive falls under number two, you know, zero being your primary disk and so on and so forth. So let's say if it's number two, then the next thing you can do is you can do uh, clear dash disk and then dash number two, dash remove data, right? That's how you start. You, you, you clear the drive mm-hmm. and then you can, you can do things like new dash partition, again, with a disk number, um, using a maximum size and active and assign a drive letter and so on and so forth. So if we just look up at some of these commandlets, new dash partition, Format dash volume, um, clear dash disk. Uh, that should get you um, started with uh, how to do this stuff. Yep. 
So I think right. that's uh, uh, some pretty good tidbits right there on handling the uh, disc itself. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you wanted to chat about um, a pretty cool tool called Fido. Yes. So the uh, Fido apparently, uh, and this was uh, this article was written on November 26th on, uh, and it appears on ghacks.net. And it's um, and it's about uh, Fido, which is apparently going to be um, a, a replacement for Rufus, uh, mm. which if you know Rufus, Rufus was a uh, GUI interface that allowed you to uh, drop an image down onto a flash drive. Right. Well, apparently, uh, this is also uh, Fido is going to be um, a replacement of that that uses PowerShell to do the same functionality. That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, we we typically pixie boot here now, but there are certain uh, situations where we need a, a flash drive. Uh, for instance, we were, we did a, um, when we did our Windows 10 upgrades uh, firm wide and in our remote offices, there were a few instances where they needed a flash drive right there on the spot, especially ones that were, that didn't have an actual um, uh, SCCM distribution point. You okay. needed that. You needed that flash drive down there so it wouldn't take up so much space downloading the Pixie. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we used uh, Rufus, but it would have been nice to have had Fido because then you can just have a PowerShell script. Nobody has to do anything and run it, and bam, you're you're completely configured. Yeah. And, and the drive's ready to go. Oh yeah. So I think I think this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It's amazing to see that so many tools these days are now getting. Uh, you know, getting reprogrammed and stuff to use PowerShell from behind the scenes, right? Yeah, yes. Uh, so many, and it's like it's, it just keeps changing every every day. And you see, like, oh wow, this you can do do this with PowerShell too. That's you know, commandments for it and whatever. So, did you want to dive into the uh, the hacking stuff, or did you want to talk about the next one, which is the PowerShell parameters? Um. You know, I think the hacking actually goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about, PowerShell getting, uh, you know, having so many hooks and everything. Because mm -hmm. uh, article that I uh, found in the healthitsecurity.com um, site was talking about uh, new ransomwares have been spotted targeting healthcare companies. Yes. Uh, and it was discovered by um, BlackBerry Silence first. And right. it was, it's a ransomware that um, attacks the uh, – or mainly the attacks have been focused in the U.S. and European uh, areas. Yeah, yeah, it's attacking like health organizations and some technology companies as well. Yep, and I think what's really interesting about this is uh, part of the attack uses PowerShell. Interesting. Yep. I, I mean okay. – it, you know, power. It, basically, what they're doing is it's uh, what they said in the article was that uh, it's the the actual attack is called uh, Zeppelin. Zeppelin, yeah. And uh, and basically, they said that it appeared to be uh, very highly configurable and as deployed uh, either using a DLL an EXE or wrapped in a PowerShell loader. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the and samples I, are hosted on. On waterhold websites, and uh, in the case of PowerShell or on uh, Pastebin, so wow. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and, and I think one of the things about this is, and and there's another attack that we're getting ready to talk about right after this one is, is the fact that once they get the keys to your kingdom, you're basically your domain admin. And I mean, they have they have access, especially using PowerShell to everything in your. Oh, yeah, you're done. You're done. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then so let's dive into the, the next one, which is a. North Korean hackers step power of new trickpot module. Yes. <laughs> so the um so uh, once again um PowerShell comes in with this. So the North Korea's uh, Lazarus group apparently used PowerShell backdoor um, parts partially in their attack. So I mean even North Korea now has gotten smart enough to know the power of PowerShell. Okay, right, right, right. Oh wow, yeah. Yep. I've I've heard of I've heard of malware and stuff, you know, getting spread out or being exploited, you know, by using PowerShell and and uh, you know, it's kind of risky, kind of kind of scary at the same time because it's being used all the time. Um, so this is where security needs to. It's it's very important, right? Now you know how do you run your scripts? How do you, sure. you know where you run them from? And that's well, and all. I know a lot of companies don't. Well, a lot of um, admins don't do it. But like here, none of us have uh, even local admin privs on our machines. In case, in the event we need to run like an application with it, you shift and right click and run uh, as a different user. Uh, I know that's not a hundred percent, but that's better than nothing. Right. Uh, right. Of helping with uh, to try to mitigate security issues. Right. Yep. So I think that's what we have for today. Right. And unless you want to talk about that. Well, we do have uh, one other, actually, and that was the uh, PowerShell parameters. OK. And, uh, there was a um, controlling the input of your scripts. And I found this pretty interesting. Um, it's it's actually kind of a, a step back for us because it's actually, you know, kind of getting back to the basics part here. And okay. I think parameters are so important. One of the um, one of the things it talks about. So just to let everybody know on uh, techgenics.com uh, website, they have an article here called PowerShell Parameters Controlling the Input of Your Scripts. Right. And if you're starting out in PowerShell, I think this is a great article to read to uh, get a grasp on how to use parameters. Now, one of the things that's kind of a pet peeve of mine, and I'll even admit I used to do this myself until I learned, uh, and I learned it on the PowerShell group on Facebook, uh, are using switches. Okay. And I even I even see this in uh, commandlets that even Microsoft puts out now. They will use a Boolean value uh, for a parameter instead of using a switch. You know, all a switch does is is say if you do dash, um, let's just call it switch, dash switch in the parameter field, you're saying run this instead of saying like dash switch space uh, dollar sign true or dollar sign false. Okay. If you don't, if you don't, so when you go down into your script, if you don't ha- use, you know, speculate or specify that switch up there, then you in your if statement if the switch if it sees the detects a switch then do so and so this otherwise the script doesn't do anything if the switch is never 
uh, put in the uh, command line parameter field. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, that's a little, I know both work. It's just one of my little pet peeves. Uh, if somebody had pointed that out in one of my older scripts that, hey, why don't you use switches instead of uh, Boolean values? Okay. And I think, oh. I think, I think that's kind of an interesting one. Um, you know, it's a little less stuff you have to type in uh, when you're doing the uh, command line to run the script. Right, right. So th is this something, uh, this is uh, uh, a new recommendation, you would say? Um, it's really, it, it, I mean, it's really, to be honest with you, we all code differently. Right. You know, it, it's by preference. My preference is now use a switch. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Because to me, it's more logical because then if you don't want to run it if you, or if you don't need whatever that switch specifies, just don't use it. Okay. You just don't put it in your command line. If you do want whatever it does, just do dash and the switch name and then you're done, or the parameter name, and then you're done. Okay. Oh, so, cool. Sounds yeah. good. All right. I think we covered quite a bit from, you know, malware, ransomware. And uh, some commandlets and and whatnot and and uh, it was uh, it's good. Yeah, so, I think so too. And uh, you know the the new year's almost around the corner and uh, we've got uh, new guests that we're lining up and I think 2020 is going to be a great year for us. It's going to be a great year, yes. And this I think this might be our last show for the year, and um, unless we get a chance to record one next week and. Um, so until if we don't, you know, if we don't record another one, you know, happy holidays to everybody and hope you had a good 2019 and we'll see you in 2020. Absolutely. So, happy holidays, everyone. Yeah. Until next time, you'll find me on Twitter as at Hooch, H-O-R-G-E. And you'll also find me on Twitter at Mick underscore Pletcher. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.